0: Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. Over to my right is Brian Jackson, my brother in tech. Brian, how are you doing?
1: Good, Alan. How are you?
0: Doing pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, we're a little I mean, we're we're right. a little, little off schedule recording. We've <laughs> yeah. both been a little a little busy. Yeah.
1: Um, a little busy. Therefore, the drink that's, in that's my hand. That's why the drink
0: is now in hand. Mine, you cannot see from my green cup. But it is also something <laughs> uh, to help me try to relax here at the end of the day. So, yeah. So um, this
1: episode could get really good or really bad. I don't know which direction we're going to go. It is,
0: It has been a week, and as much as we enjoy getting together and recording these, it it has been a challenge this week to get time to do so. So uh, we didn't get to go live at our normal time. We're kind of catching up a little bit on that, but we are happy to at least be getting together now to talk technology, Uh, home, family, personal technology, ways technology can enhance your life and the life of your family and in your household. Um, So Brian, we're going to do something a little different today. Yeah. We're normally talking about new things. We're talking about either we're either talking about new technology or we are talking about learning about technology that already exists. But just like anything, you know, technology is always updating and enhancing and adding new features. So we thought it might be kind of a good time to kind of do a little quick quick hits on some, some product updates, system yeah. updates, or things, new features that have been rolled out in some of our uh, the services we use. That we just think are really helpful, or could be really helpful. Maybe they're very new, and we haven't really had a chance to explore it much. But we want to talk about it and see how we feel about it. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk updates, enhancements, and kind of new features on some products and services that we're already we're already using, and uh, we'll kind of and run through this
1: a little bit. I mean, I think it's fair to say that that uh, some of these have been picks of ours previously, and right. Now it may be that if you didn't jump onto that pick previously, uh, maybe these new features may convince you. So uh, uh, it certainly I think there's a few of them that uh, have been enhanced in a way that provides a whole different way of using it, which I think is incredibly cool. So, yeah, yeah I'm excited about this. This is great.
0: It's going to be a little bit of a grab bag of some different things. Brian and I both have a couple of uh, product updates and feature updates we'd like to talk about. And um, Some may apply to you as listeners, some may not. They may not be products that you're using currently, but maybe after hearing about some of the features and services they've added to them, they may be uh, something a little more, uh, something a little more to explore for you as well. Right. So let's do this, Brian. How about if you want to start us off, let's let's let you hit the first one you want to talk about kind of a new product feature or service that we've been uh, starting to use or experiment. Yeah.
1: Well, so, so my first one um, is actually one that we've mentioned before and uh, but we mentioned it kind of in passing. Didn't really spend a lot of time on it. And uh, when we talked about it, it was brand new, and I don't think either one of us had really had a chance to to try to figure it out and uh, determine how well it was going to work. And uh, and this is on uh, Apple, uh, so for Mac OS and iOS, uh, the integration of those two devices together. And so I'm talking about Universal Control. So Universal Control is kind of this new feature um, if you update both your Mac and a tablet, so an iPad, um, and, you know, so l- let me back up just a minute that, you know, there's been a, there's been an ability to use your iPad as a second screen for a while. So if you have your computer that you're using, that you can actually do what's called sidecar and sidecar is where you can make your iPad, which maybe you set it behind, uh, set it beside your. Uh, your computer, you can make that a second screen. So you can actually extend your screen. You could have your mouse go from one to the other, and you would see a, a computer screen on your iPad. Yeah. So it's all one computer, all connected, just like if I was connected to an external monitor like I am now, or if I'm connected to a projector like I might be at, at school, the iPad would become an external monitor. That was called Sidecar.
0: Yeah, right? and let's, let's clarify for that because I think things – can get a little confusing with these two services we're gonna talk about. Yeah, like you said, sidecar is that external monitor. So when you turn on sidecar and you have your iPad next to your computer in sidecar mode, it's it ceases to act as an iPad anymore. Right. It's no longer it is an, iPad. an extension of your computer desktop and that's it. Correct. So you Correct. can't access your iPad apps. You can't do those things. It is now a monitor extension for your computer.
1: Yep. Okay. So let me just say really quickly why I've used and, and I don't want to spend too much time on Sidecar, but I think it is helpful to distinguish. I've used Sidecar when let's say that I want to take my email and I want to move it to an external monitor so I can see it. But I don't want it take up the real estate of my main monitor. So I always want it there or the music. Let's say I want my music uh, files over there on the right. So it becomes a monitor or it becomes a, a screen. I can slide it over, make it an external screen. But again, as you said, none of the apps or anything that's part of that iPad are now accessible. It's all being covered. It's basically projecting something new on top of that.
0: Yep. That's Sidecar. Well,
1: that's Sidecar, right? Yep. And that's been around for, what would you say, Alan? A couple of years two now, years, yeah. Yeah, 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 two, two or three years, years, I think. Mm-hmm. So the new feature that's come out, which is called Universal Control, I think is incredibly cool. And I don't, I'm not quite sure that a lot of people still understand the difference between them. Um, so what... What universal control is, is that if I have a, a mouse or a trackpad or, and a keyboard all connected to my computer that I'm working on, one of, the, one of the hassles that people have is they like their iPad. They like their iPad to be, let's say that's my email and I want to pull up my email on my iPad, have it over to the side, or maybe it's a, a movie I'm watching on Netflix or something like that. So the iPad is doing its job. Universal control actually allows you to move your mouse off your computer screen. It recognizes that there's an iPad close by and it allows your mouse then to go from your computer screen onto the iPad. So now you are actually on the exact same trackpad that you're on right now, your keyboard. All of that will will begin working on the iPad. So whereas I normally might have an external keyboard for my iPad, if I decide to send a message, I'll pull up an external keyboard and type some things on it. Now the exact same uh, keyboard that I have connected to my computer can be used for both depending on where my cursor is. So it's incredibly slick. So if you see the, the, the screen Alan's sharing here, the image, mm-hmm. you know, what's happened there is that the computer, which is on the right, you know, the, the individual has moved their mouse to the left side of their screen and when it gets to the left side of the screen, if they try to keep moving, it says, oh, I recognize that there's an iPad over here. So I'm going to move through the the left side of the computer screen into the right side of the mm-hmm. iPad, which is where that little dot. Um, Alan, I don't know if your cursor, does your cursor work when you share like there? No. Um, mm-hmm. No. OK. Mm-hmm. But there's that little dot on the on the left screen, which is the iPad. And that's the that's the, the mouse coming into the iPad on the left. So yeah. this would be someone who has a mouse. They're working on their computer. They slide their mouse over to the left or right, wherever the iPad is, and it goes into the iPad screen. So now they can click on apps, they can click on icons. And if they started a new note or something, and I think, Alan, you're going to show this in a minute, you start a note, you can actually start typing, which is incredibly efficient and cool. So,
0: yeah, let me, um, I'm going to bring up my iPad screen because I've actually got my iPad setting over here in universal control mode. Now, i kind of show you a little bit what we're talking about the best I can here. So if this is my iPad screen, I am on my laptop right now, like in front of me. This is the laptop I am currently recording on. And I have a mouse that I use with my laptop. Okay. Right. But now if I go and take my cursor and move it to the far right of my laptop screen, it pops over. And now my mouse is now operating a cursor over here which it still freaks people out when they see an iPad right. a, an iPad with a cursor on it but I'm using a a mouse a USB or a bluetooth mouse mouse and I am now using it as a as a cursor so if I go right. to my notes
1: and the click works the mouse yep, click clicking, works I just right? clicked on it mm-hmm. with my
0: mouse I'm not touching my iPad screen I'm using my mouse and keyboard from my Mac my computer yep. so now if I open up notes I'm actually typing on my keyboard right here testing universal control so now I'm using my keyboard on my Mac on my iPad without having to use an, its own external keyboard and mouse on the on the iPad I'm using my existing keyboard and mouse from my computer. But yeah it's pretty cool I mean yeah. it is actually and your hands
1: never had to leave where they normally are, which is the keyboard and mouse mouse that that you you are. You're just going and sliding over to get to control a different device. That's what's called universal control. I've got these keyboard and mouse that can control two different things, depending on where the cursor is. And, um, and of course, someone might be uh, wondering like, why is it a dot that's going around as a cursor rather than a pointer? And that's because it's representing where you would be touching, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of representing touch now. So uh, because that's the way you interact with the iPad. So uh, I think that's incredibly cool. I mean, uh, I was there, there's been some times that it hasn't worked perfectly, where it hasn't mm-hmm. recognized if I've moved my iPad around, and and it's taken a minute on that. Um, but I think as long as the two devices, Alan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think as long as the two devices are on the same network and have Bluetooth probably connected between the two, and I think they have to be signed into the same. The same uh, iCloud account, maybe. I think it's the iCloud Yes, yeah. I think
0: they need to be on the same iCloud account. So you can't just get a buddy's iPad, iPad. and set it next right. to your computer and it just work right away. It needs to be on the same iCloud account. I don't yep. even think. I don't know if it needs to be on the same Wi-Fi network. That was uh, that's a. That's a good question. question. Yeah. Um, yep. I don't know. I don't know if it's operating through Bluetooth or, or if it's actually a Wi-Fi. Uh, I think it is operating
1: Bluetooth, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I could be wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It doesn't say anything about needing to be on the same Wi Fi network. Okay. So, So as long as they're
1: Bluetooth, then you could probably connect the two and you have the same uh, iCloud account logged in. You should be able to slide from one to the other. Um,
0: Right. Now, here's the other thing we didn't mention. I know we're going a little long on on universal control, but it is really cool. You can drag and drop things between the devices as well. Yes, yes,
1: yes. And copy and paste. Yes. So if I'm,
0: uh, I know, again, you're not going to be able to see what I'm doing on my computer. But if I have a text message or a message coming up, and I just dropped it over to my iPad, but my iPad didn't recognize that particular file. But let me see if it sees a picture file. So yeah, if I'm opening up a, let me see if I can share my. Let's see what this does. I'm clicking on an image file on my computer and I'm dragging it over to my iPad. Hmm. It didn't do anything there. I think I'd have to have maybe open it up in Photos and then drag it over I from there. I think
1: maybe yeah. So I, I know you should be able to drag a link over or something into another let browser if you've got a browser up or even yeah, just so okay, here we go.
0: Yeah, this is it. So that is a photo I had on my computer. I just dragged into my super slick into my iPad. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's pretty slick. Mm-hmm. So
1: and if you copy anything from your computer, you go and copy a file or copy a, a, a text, and then you can come over here and drop it in. It just make you know it makes those two devices start to work together and not to be just an extension of one device like Sidecar was. Well, right? You actually yeah. have the capabilities. Let's say I have an app on my iPad that I don't have on my Mac or some app that works better on my iPad than my Mac. I can actually still have that working and be able to drag between the two yeah. or copy and paste between the two, control between the two. And the key is I'm not leaving. My hands are not leaving, right? And this has yeah. been the challenge, Alan, I think is that people have always been screaming, like, when are we going to get a touch a touchscreen uh, Mac? And people have just said, well, listen, when you have a keyboard and you have a touchpad, we don't really need a touchscreen Mac, assuming that you have keystrokes and all of that. But when you do have a touchscreen device like an iPad, it is fantastic now to be able to go yeah. over and use it without touching it so we don't have an intermixing of interfaces. So,
0: yeah. I, I, when I personally love the fact that we can choose one or the other approach to use our iPad next to our computer, yeah. either as an external yeah. monitor or as a iPad that just happens to be able to use our keyboard and mouse uh, from our computer. Now, I think from some user standpoint, it's going to be a little confusing. Yeah. Like trying to, to know which they want to use or how to turn it on. Universal control, like we just showed, is very automatic. I mean, if you're logged in the same iCloud account and you honestly just set your iPad next to your your laptop, it works right away. Mm-hmm sidecar doesn't do that sidecar you do have to go in and actually turn it on in your displays i believe your displays control panel and say i want to use that ipad it's going to see that your ipad is next to your computer it's going to say hey do you want to use this as a monitor and you can select it but you have to go in and initiate that or universal control will just work now i think you have to turn on a checkbox to say yes i want universal control to be Something you do, to and I think
1: it maybe has to be on both sides to say allow yeah. this to
0: happen, but yeah. Well, once you yeah, do it once it time, setup is there. it'll work all the yeah. time after that. It's very so, slick. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's great. And, you know, the, the sidecar piece, to sound just you know for anybody that's connected a computer to an external monitor, and you can go into, like, how they're setting, which one's my main one, which one's my other. Same thing works with the sidecar, right? I have, you know, a computer, an external monitor, and an iPad, all connected and you can go and tell it where are they located so that my mouse can go from one to the other, but just, you lose the, you lose the functionality of the other devices. You're right. going one device that's extended. So, so anyway, that's universal control. I think uh, cool. uh, for some of you who have an iPad and a Mac, um, this might be a way of not having to purchase another external monitor or being able to use them interchangeably, being able to use them together. So it's a great uh, kind of office uh, office feature.
0: So agreed. All right. Cool. Alan. Yeah. Well, let me you're uh up. let's uh, flip over and do something a little different. Let's talk about something different. And I know this is something that you and I are both intrigued by um because we both are Plex users, correct?
1: Well I I love Plex and I've used it before. I don't currently not use currently it. But, using it but because of what you're getting ready to say, I am now considering going yeah.
0: to it. So. so Plex for anybody who, who maybe hasn't heard us talk about it in the past, Plex is a free open source type. Well, it's not really open source, but it is free to use um, where you can basically set up a computer or device to act as a Plex server. And it's a very simple walkthrough process to do that. And you can put your own movies and videos and music and photos all there for it to be its own media server that can be then delivered to different devices in your household. So imagine if you've got an entire library of home videos, digitized home videos, and you want to make sure that they're available for anybody who wants to see them on your, your home network, whether it be on a phone an iPad or another computer or a TV Plex is a way to do that. Plex is kind of creating your own little media server for yourself. Um, so, Plex has had for a while where you can actually, they have licensed movies on Plex. So if you have a Plex server, you can also go in and discover other movies, like actual commercial movies, that they have rights to or licenses with. And you can watch them just like a streaming service. But a recent update with Plex now creates what's called a universal watch list. And Brian, we've talked about this in the past before when we talked about streaming services there's kind of the Holy grail idea of, of having one search to find anything you're wanting to watch yep. and go to one place mm-hmm. to find it on, on your TV set and it will take you to the appropriate place where that show is or movie. So right. if you really want to see, you know, Rocky and you are a subscriber to HBO, Hulu, Netflix, let's say, you want to go search and see is Rocky available on any of the services that I currently subscribe to right now. There's no one perfect solution for doing that. The closest we've yeah. gotten is uh, I feel like the Apple TV search, right? Yeah. But it has a big missing gap in there in that it does not work with Netflix. So if you're right. a Netflix user, you can go search on Apple TVs search box on the T- Apple TV box all you want it's not going to show you Netflix stuff right off the bat because these streaming services have to kind of buy into the Apple TV search protocol. So Plex has rolled out an update. It's available now. If you're a Plex user or considering being a Plex user, it's available now we'll have a universal watch list across different services available through Plex. So just think, think about this for a minute. When you go into Plex, now it's going to give you an option to say, I want you to select all the services that you currently have. So you say, all right, Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV, plus Disney, plus whatever you're choosing them. You say, these are services I currently subscribe to. So now when you want to find a particular movie, I'm just scrolling back up to show. You would actually go in and search for the movie you're looking for, and it will show you where that, that film is available or that movie is available to get. Again, you know, I, I've used an app called uh, Just Watch, mm-hmm. you know, yep. which is great. It's an, uh, yeah. uh, on a, you had a bit,
1: a bit about that I a did. couple of years it's ago, a, I think.
0: It's an app on your phone or there is an Apple TV version of it. And it does the same thing. But the difference is, is that uh, it's a separate app you have to kind of keep up with and go to, where if you are a Plex user... It's right here as part of your Plex interface. Plex is really trying to get it to where they want you to come to them first um, to watch anything. So whether it's on your own personal library that you have on your Plex server or you want to search all of your streaming services and it takes you there. Um, so that's, that's pretty nice. Um, yeah. They're really trying to reposition Plex as a destination you go to first to jump to the right place to watch what you want to watch. And yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a smart move. Um, will it convince a lot of people that we're not already Plex users to start using Plex? I don't know. But for those who are already using Plex, it's a great, great feature, great add on.
1: So Alan, let me, let me say why I think I'm going to start using Plex um, where I'm not using it now. The reason I'm not using it now is I, you know, previously I've always, I've always, Thought to myself, you know, I'm going to have, and I used to have this, but I have to update the the computer now. I'm going to have a Mac Mini, or some sort of computer that's going to be constantly on, that's going to be connected, and I can access it for movies that I've downloaded, music, and then I'll use that also to go and kind of view other things through Plex. But I haven't had that that server uh, in place for quite a while. You know, I've had to. Uh, that one's been incredibly old and, and and wasn't able to use anymore. But what I'm hoping is that this would allow me to pull Plex as an app on my Apple TV. And I would have a Plex server. Or I'd have a Plex account, but not have a server yet. So I wouldn't have anything necessarily on my home devices that would be serving. Because this is going to then basically take the place of what Apple's TV app was trying to do. Yeah, which is, hey, we're going to tell you what you want to watch next, or you can search things here, and then we'll take you to them. But as you said, there's a big gap there with Netflix, with YouTube TV, some of these other things. So I'm hoping that I can just have my Plex account, open up, have an app on my Apple TV. I've got two Apple TVs that I use on my my different TVs and tell it what services I have and at least start using it that way. And then eventually when I get another server at home, then I can say, by the way, there's my home movies and be able to use that. So I assume that would be the case, right? I could use this simply with even without a home server at all.
0: Yep. I would sure. just use it
1: as the the streaming the streaming home, right?
0: right? Yeah, yeah I mean like sure. It. I mean, yep. Plex is a service that you can just you know hop into, get an account, and then start searching. Like I said, they have some movies that they have on their own Plex account yep. server. that you can watch if you have a plex account um now one thing i thought was interesting on this news brian is uh they said that right now it is meant for searching movies that are like you know commercial movies on different streaming services or shows but they said that one option in the future that they're hoping they're going to roll out is where you can do a search and it could search other plex users libraries so for example Mm -hmm. If, you know, again, you have to be kind of careful how you talk about this, because the idea is that you shouldn't have copyrighted you movies on it. your Plex right. server and definitely not be able to share them with other people to let them watch them. But if you have, uh, let's say, uh, your own short films or films you've made or, or things you've worked on or things you have access to and All you movies. have it on your Plex server, you know, if people did, if you did have that capability of letting people search other libraries, you could be finding and exploring some other interesting content out there outside of like commercially available stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought that's kind of neat. Um, yeah. I, I like Plex. We use it quite a bit. I've got, I basically ripped all of my DVD movies. I don't know if that's legally what I'm supposed to do with those, but I own the yeah. movie. So I ripped it and then they stay locally on my computer, my, my me- media server. I don't share them outside think, of the internet.
1: I think you're actually okay. If you don't say the word rip, I think you say like gently tore
0: I DVDs gently tore my yes, DVD exactly. movies. Yeah,
1: you gently tear them. Yeah, You don't rip well, I've them. I've got like
0: uh, a couple hundred DVD movies You know, on my Plex server that I've turned into digital files. And then I've got hours and hours of home videos that we've shot over the years with our iPhones and camcorders and whatever else. So to be able to go to one place and say, hey, do I want to watch my movies? Do I want to watch my home movies? Or do I want to search for a movie that is on a streaming service I already subscribed to? Plex is definitely becoming more of a first stop place now for me to consider using when doing any kind of TV viewing. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm, I'm
1: super excited about this. This announcement was one that kind of gave me a new reason to go and take a look at potentially getting Plex back up. And
0: um, yeah, we're we're big fans of Plex here. So Plex.tv is where you go. P-L-E-X.tv. And, again, you can get a free account uh, to go in and just start using Plex. But if you are industrious enough to want to have set up a Plex server, um, there's definitely an easy way. It's, they make it really easy to do so. But you do okay. need to have a computer that's going to be available to be that server on a regular basis. So, yeah. Okay. Very cool. All right, Brian. What, uh, what do you got next?
1: Okay. So, the next one um, I'm actually really excited about because... Um, this is a service that you and I have talked about many times. Um, actually, I, would, I think you're still a YouTube TV user,
0: yes, correct? I yeah. am. Mm-hmm.
1: And I am, and I am a devout user. Um, even as they raised their prices not long ago, it wasn't enough for me to say, no, I don't want you anymore. I still yeah. love the service. So you know, just a reminder for everyone, YouTube TV is um, a live TV and DVR type service. Um, mm-hmm service that allows you to, you know, obviously have live TV that you can watch, but also um, uh, unlimited DVR, be able to say you want to record things. And Alan and I have both loved these. Uh, I I still will take credit. I remember using it first. I think you were a Hulu person and I finally got you over to that. Our entire family uses it because honestly I can say that especially on an, on an Apple device, the user interface it's just unmatched. I have it's yet good. to find anything that works as, as well as YouTube TV does in terms of uh, live TV. So, but you and I have also talked that one of the issues that we had, or at least that I had, and I think you agreed, is there are things that I would like to listen to while I'm in my car, while I'm driving, that are only being presented on TV and I don't necessarily, I don't want to watch them, right? I'm not someone who wants to watch TV while I'm driving, but I want to listen to it. So for example, some of the NCAA tournament that just happened recently, uh, kudos to your Tar Heels, Alan, for making a run. Um, but the things that were on the, you know, what it used to be that I could pull up AM radio and I could find the games being presented. I was actually down in California traveling during the, the uh, tournament, could not find anything on AM radio, but yet I knew my YouTube TV app was playing the games so I wanted to be able to listen to it. Well, one of the problems with that is that YouTube TV in the past on an iOS device is it had to take over your screen. So you had to have the app up and you could listen. But what if I was also needing to navigate or what if I was also needing to put my computer put my phone to sleep because it was, you know, uh, having the, the screen on was was uh, making the battery run down. That happened a lot. And so, listening to something through YouTube TV while in the car or while on some sort of external uh, Bluetooth device did not make any sense. It just did not work very effectively until now. So, there is a new uh, update to YouTube TV on iOS. And Alan, I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, let you maybe share my my screen here. Okay, so this is this is my phone, um, and so I'm going to open up my phone. So YouTube TV, let, let me tell you what used to happen, right? So I'm gonna open up YouTube TV, you can see the app here. And um, if something was happening like on live TV, okay, so if I was watching Jeopardy, and let's say that I was watching Jeopardy now, realize we won't be showing this here because it won't allow us to take a live stream and actually show it on the uh, the screen share here. but go ahead and show you. Normally, this is happening. You can see the uh, the TV that would be happening in the top. But what would be happening is, let's say I had this up and I was listening. I wanted to listen to Jeopardy as I was driving into work. And the only way I could access it through was live TV. But then my phone goes to sleep, okay? The screen goes off. And when that happens, the sound goes off as well. Like the YouTube TV stops when it doesn't have, when the app is not up and present. If the You know, if the uh, device goes to sleep, then YouTube TV stops to stops working. That was the way it used to be. And it was really frustrating. And if I needed to navigate, if I also had my my phone being my navigation device, I could not do those two things at once. It was a one one uh, app only situation. Sure. Well, that's changed now. And uh, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to show you. Let's see. Let me go back. We found that this one did work. While we watch,
0: look to see what Brian has been watching lately. (laughs) Watch (laughs) your watch list too.
1: So let's see here. So okay, you guys are seeing that there's a commercial break there that Mm -hmm. you can see up top. Okay, so now what happens? And let me see if I can get this to actually work. Okay, so I'm watching, and if I do a swipe up, I'm sorry, this has got a little bit. There you go. If I do a swipe up, now this is actually a floating window. Okay. And I can picture move this window around mm-hmm. picture and picture. Right. I also recognize, I don't know if you've seen this yet, Alan, but if I do a little pinch of the two, it becomes even smaller. Yeah. Right. and a wider. Right. Of course I can go um, and have the the screen go back again. If I want to back into yeah. um, back into YouTube TV. So Brian, this is fantastic. We, yeah. yeah. Go,
0: go back to go back. Can you go back and, and share uh, picture and picture it again? Yep. Yeah, sorry. There we go. Okay. So now you can be swiping through your phone. You can be opening up other apps. You can do other things. And this this will always float on top of what you're So now
1: I can actually go. Yeah. I can go and navigate. And if I wanted to make this really, really small, get it to the side so I can continue to navigate wherever I want to go.
0: But YouTube TV,
1: TV, exactly. I stopped it up there because I didn't want it to leave the ad uh, just in case. But it would still be going, which is fantastic. So now I can do what I need to do, still have it kind of playing in the background right
0: it's good for an iphone brian but i'll tell you what this is a game changer for me on an ipad because my ipad is kind of my where i might be consuming content or reading things sometimes to be able to do youtube tv as picture in picture means i can go and be reading things or or having and still have the the live yeah. tv playing yep. up in a corner which you know, for an iPad, that's a big iPad with a nice big screen. That's a lot of real estate that you can uh, make yep. use of. And it's yep. just, uh, it's nice knowing now with YouTube TV, it doesn't have to take over your entire screen, which was yep. the problem before. You're right.
1: This is great. That's good. So now I'm going to give you a couple of really uh important things that I've, that okay. I found out by testing this. And I don't know if you've done these or not probably have, but um, so I also thought, oh, you know, what would be interesting is if I if all I want to do is listen, which, of course, is in the car, that's all I want to do is listen and maybe have my navigation up. If that's what I'm doing, I wanted to be able to slide this. So if I go up and I slide this to the side, you can see it goes in the little tray on the oh, side. I didn't know that. OK, which is super slick. But here's the issue. It will only continue to play and sound will come for 30 seconds. If mm. it's in the tray, 30 seconds, tray. I've been timing it, right? Timing 30 seconds, it'll just stop the sound weird. and pause. And I have to kind of click and bring it back, and then it'll start again. But
0: now, if you leave it out, not in the side yes. tray, and your, your phone goes into sleep, like a screen yes. goes dark.
1: Okay. But here's the other thing, Alan. You Yeah, you're getting to my next my next point. Not always. Okay. And here's why I think, here's what's really, really important. Um, and this is also super slick about iOS and something that I didn't even realize had been happening. So in the mode right now, Alan, I I've, I've brought a little a little speaker. There's a little speaker that I have in my shower, um, a little Bluetooth speaker. And what I wanted to do is show you that, so right now I'm going to play the sound that's coming from this. Okay, you can hear the, the music in the background, right? So that's the commercial break music that's happening. Now, if I shut off my screen, Sound goes off. Now, you, your picture is not going out, but actually you can see my phone is yes, stopped, phone, yeah. right? It's it's still sure. trying to share it. But just like the old one, right when the screen went off, the sound went off. Okay. Problem. That's a problem. However, here's why it happened. So I'm going to go to my settings. And now I'm in Bluetooth settings. And you can see here at the bottom this I love shower is what this this is right it's called an i love right is what the name of this device is okay, okay if i go to the information on that shower or a shower uh, speaker at the very top it says device type is set to speaker if it's set to speaker it will shut off when the power goes on, or when the screen goes off however if you set it and say nope this is a car stereo hmm. then you go back okay and i'm going to Let's see if this works, hopefully. Okay, so there's a the sound. Oh shoot, it did. Actually, you know what? I'm sorry, the, I, I did remember this happened. I had to restart the YouTube TV. Restart I YouTube made TV. It, named it something else. So sure. let's do this. Throw this we, away. We you, yeah, I, I promise, let's watch. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm restarting YouTube TV and let's go back to wherever I was before. I think it was this was showing a. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me get back to where it. Okay, so there we go. All right. So now I'm going to slide it up. Sorry, I don't like that particular feature, Alan. I don't like how it doesn't want to. Let's see. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we're having fun. In case you're listening on audio. Uh, this podcast, is right? super
1: exciting. If you're on audio is right now,
0: fumbling around here on this phone um, to make the picture-in-picture work correctly. Okay.
1: And Alan, that is one thing I was actually going to mention about that I don't like about this. It actually, in order to get picture-in-picture, you have to slide it up as if you were going to get rid of the app. If anybody knows with the touchscreen, right? But you have to do it. As you can see, it's kind of going away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's see.
1: Wow, this is this is powerful, powerful TV it, here. This is amazing.
0: Uh, oh, there we go. Ah, there you go. We got it. Okay.
1: So Sorry. it's up, right? Let's see if it's Nope. Okay. That didn't work.
0: All yeah. right. So QB, uh, let, me ta- can- let me tell
1: you what, yeah, let me tell you actually what what did happen in my uh, my car because my car is set to Bluetooth and to be a car stereo that when it went off, it continues to play. And so I think that once you have it set up so that it is a car stereo or one of the other devices, that's not considered just a Bluetooth speaker. So there are different settings within those Bluetooth speaker, hearing aids, those sorts of things. It needs to know what it is. And I think that um, if you can get it set up correctly, and this could also be because we're, Switch sharing and, and all the yeah
0: things. we are but, we are set up in a kind of a weird setup here just having our phone and vice connected to our uh, computers at the moment so but yeah the idea is that yes you can set it up and it's how there is yeah. a functionality to say I want the sound to keep playing even yeah. if my screen goes dark
1: well I'll tell you today Alan I drove home put up pulled up YouTube TV and my phone was on my my wireless charger kind of on my dash, I pulled up YouTube TV. I put on the masters, which just started today, started playing it. And then I turned the screen off and I just listened to the masters as I, as I went uh, through. And of course, that's something I could not do from radi- radio or I would have to get some other creative sort of audio only to be able to do. So, so there is a a feature that allows you now to not only do the picture in picture, which I think is great, I don't particularly like the functionality of how you get to it by swiping up. I think it would be better if you were able to go to the video screen and swipe to the side or something and make it uh, become picture in picture. But yeah. having that ability is great. And then also having potentially the ability for it to be recognized as a audio source, as opposed to just an app that when the app's up, it plays and when the app's has mm-hmm. gone, it's it goes away. So, so YouTube TV, I'm, 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 I'm actually incredibly impressed, even though they continue to raise their prices, I'm incredibly impressed that they are not resting on their laurels. I mean, they, they are continuing to add channels. I think this week they added what the weather channel and maybe one other channel. So they've got tons of channels now, uh, tons of capability. Um, and it looks like they're also kind of improving their app. So yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a fan.
0: That's great. I, I, and I know, know, yeah, you were showing so much of the example on the iPhone, which is great, especially for your your kind of situation where you wanted to have the audio, which is also a great feature. Again, I'll tell you, I was just doing it over here while you were talking and I wasn't really paying attention to you. I was just playing with it on my iPad. And again, just having it just there on the screen while I'm working on other stuff live TV. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if you're watching a ball game or something and you but you don't want to like be consumed with watching it just on full screen. You want to having a corner, it's so nice to be able to do that. So, thank you, yep. YouTube TV, for rolling that. Yeah, down. absolutely. That's great. I'm um, yeah, we going well, more- to kind of cap us off with a couple of Google-related updates because I know we talk about Mac stuff a lot. we kind of gotten into a lot of iPhone and iOS and other things there, but we can't forget, you know, the other companies out there that are doing some things in technology. Um, Google being one, granted, I know YouTube we were just talking about, but this is talking specifically about Google. Um, Google obviously keeps adding new services, new features to those services all the time. Uh, just, just a couple of, two of them I found that I'm personally really interested in because I think it's going to be very helpful. The first one being about Google Docs. So Brian, I don't know how much you use Google Docs as any kind of uh, writing, you know, word you, processing. I use it
1: a decent amount. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're going to be starting to roll out um, tools to let, well, as the headline is kind of being a little cheeky about it, but uh, nudging some users to write less dumbly, which, you know, just being funny. But the idea is that it's going to be offering style and tone suggestions to your writing. So kind of like how uh, services like Grammarly have been doing that, where they're going to try to analyze your writing and give you suggestions on different ways to phrase things, different things that might help improve the tone or clarity of what you're writing. I know Microsoft Word has some of their own grammar and along with spelling check. But the fact that Google is going to be rolling this out for Google Docs, where you're going to have stylistic suggestions that you can have it flagged for you, word choices, inclusiveness suggestions, conciseness suggestions, and voice suggestions. So here yeah. it's like showing you a purple squiggly line anywhere it's finding one of those options. I mean, again, it's going to look just like Microsoft Word does with its kind of grammar check. But I love the fact that this would be inside of Google Docs, which, again, is a web-based platform You know, for doing word processing. It's much easier, I think, for sharing Word documents with right. other people. But right. to know that this is becoming a little bit more of a full-functioning, true, high-end word processor when it adds features like this in there. Um, of course, you can turn those suggestions off. But if you have them on, it's going to highlight for you not only spelling, but grammar and also just where it sees redundancy in words. Or it could have recommendations on ways to write it a little more elegantly and make it just uh, sound nicer and smoother. You can certainly do that. Now, this is all well and nice, um, and it will be a free thing whenever it's rolled out to various accounts. But unfortunately, right now, it's only available on certain plans if you are a Google customer. Um, I think right now they're saying it's going to be available on the business standard, business plus, and enterprise level and educational level accounts, but not just your general standard Google account. Now, that normally tells me it'll it'll be available in the future. But if you are currently a Google business user, they're going to be rolling this feature out first to those users, once you actually pay for their Google accounts um, with that. So,
1: So Alan, this seems like this is maybe just an enhancement of their spell check, grammar check, things that have been around for a long time, right? They've had grammar checks on there. it to another
0: level, right? This is really enhancing writing. This is really saying, look, I'm like, we're looking at your writing. And you maybe added a few too many words here that could really be boiled Mm -hmm. down more concisely. We're trying to help you enhance the tone of your, your writing a little bit. And again, these are not things that you have to have on. You can turn them off and say, I, I don't need you to suggest these things. But it is really going to be more for style of your writing. So yeah. grammar is a little included in that. And of course, it's still going to keep flagging your spelling. But this is really about trying to help improve style your writing improve in general. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Let me,
1: let me give a really quick additional plug to Google Docs because okay. um, as an educator, I've been using it for a while to have – The reason I use it rather than having a student send me a Microsoft Word doc is because I can go in, make some comments, make some edits, and I don't have to resave the document. The document's already saved. And also what's beautiful about Google Docs is that everything is saving on the server. So if I go in and make some changes to a student's document, the student goes in and makes some changes. And maybe they submit a document and before they met the deadline, but before I actually grade it, they make some other changes. Well, I can actually see that. I can see that, you know, show me the version that was one week ago when they submitted it. Show me the earlier version before we made these last changes. All of those things are the history of the document and they are automatically Mm -hmm. saved, which is fantastic. The other thing that's really helpful, and if, if you haven't used this before, I would highly suggest doing that, you know, if you're collaborating with someone and you want to give comments, for example, on the document, they go in and add comments. You can certainly do that in Microsoft Word. You can do that in, in Pages. But one of the things I've noticed that is, is really, really slick about Google Docs is if I go in and I and I uh, select some, some text, Alan, say you send me a document, I select some of your text, I don't want to make a comment on it. So I say add a comment. And as I start typing in the comment, it actually recognizes some of the some of the comments I've made before and tries to it tries to fill in, tries to go ahead and auto fill in some of the things that I'm going to say. So I could be saying, you know, this uh this information is, or you have a run-on sentence as I'm starting to type run on, it starts predicting, hey, do you want to go ahead and say run on sentence? So I can quickly kind of tab forward and say, yep, you got it. That's what I wanted. And it is remarkably good. Some of the language I'll use in there is like, oh, wow, uh, you actually are reading my mind as to this is a run on sentence or this is um, uh, this is something you said earlier. This is something that, you know, please remember to reference your, you know, your information. And if I continue to say the same thing over and over rather than going in and doing a copy and paste, it's actually remembering, hey, here's some of the things that we think you're trying to say. Now, it's a little freaky. Because it's I was going to say, mind. if there's
0: one thing Google's good at, it is <laughs> yes, knowing what you're thinking. Info, yeah, yes,
1: it's getting my info. But yeah. uh, but for someone who goes in and yeah. you know wants to save yourself some time by it being able to predict some of the well, previous comments you've made, yeah, it's really really helpful.
0: Look, so. I know Microsoft and Apple, for that regard, have both you know, tried to add those more collaboration features to. You know, Microsoft Word does have like OneDrive, and it has ways of sharing documents and. Trying to foster collaboration, and uh, I, Apple's done that with their Pages doc uh, app. It's just neither have just been as intuitive or easy to work with from a collaborative standpoint as Google Docs right. is. Right. Granted, Google Docs may not have all quite the flair that like an Apple Pages does look and feel, and it may not have the robust amount of features and things that you can do in Microsoft Word. But it's it's getting stronger, and just examples like this of them adding this kind of capability in theirs. Than really making it a, a good solid word processor. That also is a really good collaborative tool for sharing with other people and working on document together. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. So that's coming out soon. Just be on the lookout for it. But again, if you're a business or, or education level user, you may be seeing that that feature add out a lot quicker than others. So, um, all right. And then the last Google thing I wanted to share um, I just thought this was really interesting, and I'm kind of anxious to see when it starts to roll out a little bit more. Um, so, Brian, Google search, as we were already saying, look, Google, Google knows what we want. They know what we're looking for. <laughs> They've got a lot of intelligence behind their, 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 uh, behind their platform right now. But here's the idea. You can actually, I didn't know. I don't think a lot of people realize this. You can actually do a Google search on an image. You know, that's something that you've been able to do for a while. You yeah. can actually upload an image and it will trigger a search based on that image and try to either show you maybe where that image came from or what it's depicting or other things that regarding that image. But what if you want to search for an image, but you also want it to find something similar to that image? Like, Like, here's a good example. Somebody uploaded a a picture of a dress to Google and says, look, I'll, I want I want you Google to see this dress, but I would like it to be in green. Hmm. Okay. So you could actually upload an image and a qualifier of what you're looking for. And then its goal is it's going to now try to take a look and find, yeah, if you go and type in green, it's going to try to find ones that match it in the same style as that Hmm. image, but in green, (laughs) Okay. Wow. So just think about this. Think about if you're shopping, especially close shopping, you know, you find something you really like, you upload the image to Google and say, yeah, I want you to find some of these, but I want it to be this. And you put in a qualifier, You text to put in another word, like I'm looking for something like this. And it's going to tailor that, that 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 search and try to bring you back images that are like the first image, but green in this example. Okay. I think that starts to get really kind of cool. The idea is that they're saying the way the headline read appears that, you know, Google's letting you search for things you can't describe by starting with a picture. So here's another example I'm going to scroll down to here. I thought it was cool. Um, Let's let this start back over again. So somebody took a photograph of, like, the front of a notebook, a pattern they liked, and then they typed in and say, I'm interested in drapes that have that pattern. (laughs) And look at that. There are drapes that have that pattern. it's able to find or as close as possible as it can find available to it so again thinking about the combination of images and words to refine a search i mean because right now you could just upload an image and it's going to do a search based on what it sees in that image and can decipher but this is now taking that image and adding qualifiers and words and other phrases to it to really kind of dig you into where you're trying to go search-wise Wow, I just that's think that's really cool. Incredibly
1: cool. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's scary on the same side, but it's it's cool if you are comfortable, um, you know, using a service that really is not only understanding you but also understands everything that pretty much comes across. Um, you know, I think we've talked about before. Google Photos is something uh, my wife and I use. We we've been using it for a long time, where we have everything that we take on our our phones automatically gets uh, uploaded to Google Photos. And I've always thought it was incredibly impressive how I can go into Google Photos and I can say something like red. You know, I type in red and it will show me all my images that are predominantly red or I can say tennis ball. And I have not told it that this was a tennis match or that whatever, that I have uh, an image of someone playing tennis. It just knows (laughs) by some of the features that maybe there's a tennis ball in the image or maybe there's a tennis racket in the image. So I type in tennis and all the tennis pictures show up uh i mean it just knows i put in dog and i can see all the pictures of not only my dog but every other picture that i have that happens to have a dog in it so it's just incredibly uh uh, incredibly impressive how google is taking bits of information and using machine learning and all these things to try to extrapolate uh, uh other information to make it efficient for us and uh Again, well, that can be scary, this. but it efficient, if you think about efficiency, this is a really cool thing. Well, look at
0: the phrase I just highlighted on the screen here. This is a quote from uh, Lou Wang, who's uh, with uh, Google search who's a Google search director. said, you can imagine you have something broken in front of you, like something in a part that's broken, a part of your house that's broken. You don't know really how to describe it. You just want to take a picture and then say <laughs> how to fix. And it's going to come oh. back with a search result saying, okay, I looked at your picture. I understand what it is you you're looking at and I'm going to give you now searches and results that are based on how to fix what I see in that photo. Yeah, that's crazy. That's where it it's gets really kind of cool at that point. Yep. I think yep. so too. So I love mm-hmm. it. I mean, look, I have no problem with Google learning as much as it needs to learn about me as long as I feel like there's some semblance of, of security that it's not right. giving out to anybody else. But if it wants to learn all about me and make it easier for me to find what I'm looking for or fix or shop or whatever I'm trying to do, uh, I'm all for it. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I feel like I'm a pretty good Google search uh, search engine user. I mean, I feel like I'm fairly creative with finding searches and getting what I need out of Google. But some of these enhancements here are just telling me I could uh, yeah. I'm be able to get do a lot more with it later. So.
1: Sure. Well, and and Alan, if 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 people are um, not sure whether or not their information is being used and making things more efficient, I would urge you at some point if you're a Google uh, Google search user to go and try another service like like DuckDuckGo or one of those that is kind of known for not sharing your information or grabbing your information. Go in and then do a search for the exact same thing. Mm. If I do it on Google and I say Chinese food. It's pulling the things that are close to me in the Chinese food that I think you know might, they might want or I might want. I go and do another search engine, and it's not showing me that. It's showing me what's the definition yeah. of Chinese food. And realize that if you, someone who likes the very quick, the top, top results are things that are actually useful, that's what Google does. And that's why it needs your information, and it uses your information to be able to do that. Um, yes it can be problematic, but no, I think there's lots of positives. As long as you are smart about the, our understanding the fact that your information is out there and if you can kind of control uh, how that information is being shared. Um, but you know, if it's making things more efficient and you understand what it's doing um, I think it can be incredibly cool. So yeah, yeah. that's great. Alan.
0: Nice. So that was our features and enhancements of some different products that we are already users of. I mean, We are already Mac and iOS users, so, of course, the universal control was kind of a natural thing for us to experiment with. We're both YouTube TV users, so it's nice seeing the picture-in-picture added to it. I'm a Plex user. Brian may be jumping back in to be a Plex user, so having the Mm -hmm. universal search list or watch list uh, uh, capability on there is now very nice. And then, um, of course, we both use Google, Google Docs, Google Search there's some uh, constant improvements happening there and some new features that are kind of interesting to watch. So that is uh, that is our features. I think this is good, Brian. I think maybe we just uh, try we to pepper this, this in every once in a while, just kind of, yeah. uh, Hey, some new things, new features, new additions to products that we've already bought into or like, or talked about before. Yeah. Uh, all all of these really are, good. all
1: these are increasing our efficiency potentially and increasing yeah. our capabilities. So I think this is, this is great.
0: Most of the things we talked about are available now. I think a couple of the items, of course, I mentioned about the uh, Google Docs. Google Docs. Yeah. That's not going to be available quite for everybody. I think the uh, photo and kind of uh, elaboration searching is rolling out and becoming available. I do encourage you on the Google search, if you haven't really played around with Google search, other than just the traditional typing in on the text box, Really go into the the options and f- features you've got within Google itself for your different search options. A lot of people don't realize you can upload a photo and get some really interesting search results off yep. of that. Um, we did that one time. I think my son found a a picture somewhere, like a you know a professionally done photo in a restaurant somewhere, and just really loved it. And but we had no idea who painted it or who who did it. Take a picture of it send it to Google and we was able to find out, Hey, here's the artist and here's places you can buy this print. And so it's very nice. So use some of those Google capabilities for searching. It looks like they're only going to get uh, stronger and better as they go along. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah for sure. Well, Brian, if anybody has their own suggestions of features, benefits, or, or things that have been added to some products that would be worth talking about, how can they let us know about that?
1: Yeah. You can drop us an email at info at TV. Uh, so info at TheMesh.tv will come to uh, those at The Mesh and be filtered to us if you uh, kind of mention something about Brothers in Tech. Uh, tell us a little bit about some maybe new features that you're really excited about, about current, uh, current technology or some technology you want us to talk about in future episodes. Uh, you can also go to our website. Our website is www.brothers-in-tech.com. And that's where you'll find previous episodes um, as well as the uh, we'll have some additional information going in about some of our suggestions and some of our picks um, that you can go in and uh, find as a resource. So brothers n in tech.com.
0: All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us tonight. So thanks so much for watching or listening to brothers in tech. Uh, again, we talk family home, personal technology, and some, You know, we have our uh, suggestions episodes once a month where we come up and share with you some new technology we're trying out that we're really liking and want to recommend. Then, other episodes, we do a little deeper dive into a particular topic or area of interest to educate a little bit on some home and family technology. So, with that, Alan Jackson, Brian Jackson, signing off. We will talk to you next time. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye bye.